once you think that big and believe it, even if it's 20 years away, you will believe in the transformation you can create in the world and you will exude that into others and your energy and your passion will actually exponentially grow for this thing that you're doing. Thanks to Purple for supporting my show. Only Purple mattresses have the super stretchy, ultra squishy material that adapts and flexes around pressure points and doesn't retain heat. Get 10% off any order of $200 or more by going to purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code dreamjob10, terms apply. Hi guys, it's Kathy. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Hope you're having a good week. It's been interesting for me and lots of good stuff. And also there's just always those layers we're peeling back, right? I'm, I'm right now in the midst of having conversations with networks about this TV show. I shot this pilot in the fall and yes, it takes many months for things to sort of like sometimes get to these next stages. Um, especially with TV and with books, I realize like I write my book and then it doesn't actually come out for a year. But all that to say that it's been really interesting and it's fascinating to watch as my own stuff comes up and stories I make up in my mind or how I get really excited, but then I'll sort of project something and think that it's going to be a certain way. And I've been pleasantly surprised that a lot of these networks are really just refreshing and there's a lot of um, authenticity in the conversations and and I'll keep you posted on what's happening. Also took my daughter yesterday for just a few hours to the beach. She was having just some stuff at school where she was feeling like the teacher was really sort of wanting a certain thing from her. And I just, I've said this before, but I want to say it again. I feel like there's so many great teachers. I, I can definitely name several who really impacted my life. And then there's also instances where kids are in the classroom and not only are they being taught to be inside the box, but they're really being asked to answer a certain way as opposed to knowing that there really isn't a box and that instead of having them be talked to in a way where they kind of feel disrespected or talked down to or, or, or there's like this very overt it, it seems subtle, but it's really this overt message that like they need to not only get the answer, but memorize this particular way of getting to the same answer. It's like, I can tell that that makes her feel really sad. And I spoke to the principal and she was actually really lovely and she is going to make some changes. And I'm really appreciative of that. And what was nice is I got to spend a few hours with my daughter at the beach and I don't think I'll ever forget that day. And we saw these beautiful sandpipers and it was just absolutely gorgeous. The seagulls and just the, the way that the ocean looked that day yesterday. Meanwhile, I didn't take my phone on that beach walk, so I don't have a picture of it. And, and it's the best because instead of documenting it and putting it on social media, I was really in that moment fully. And so that was also an extra layer of beauty. Other than that, I'm really excited about this retreat that we are doing in May, uh, right there on that same beach. And we opened up a few more spots because there were so many people on the wait list and we, we tried to move things around. So if you want to come and be with us, it's going to be an incredible two and a half days. You can soak up not only the ocean breeze, but two and a half days of really filling up your own cup and stepping into all that you truly desire and dream of. And, you know, my gift is really helping you clarify what it is that's your zone of genius, your calling, really get that dream like crystal clear. And then what are the steps to actually allowing it in? You can go to kathyheller.com slash retreat if you want to find out more about it. We would love to have you there. And I just want to let you know that the giveaway is still going on this week. I'm giving away a pair of golden goose sneakers that say never stop dreaming. They're gorgeous. And also a pair of Apple uh, earbuds. All you have to do to enter the giveaway is super simple. You're going to subscribe to the podcast, which you probably already did, leave a review for the podcast, which so many of you have already done, 
and then do a post about the podcast. Post about it and tag me and just say, hey guys, this is the show I like, or I think you might be inspired by this particular episode with Deepak Chopra, or it was so great to hear Jenna Fisher or Matthew McConaughey, or even just one of those solo episodes I've done about overcoming imposter syndrome, whatever it is, just do one post and tag me and we'll enter you into the giveaway and we'll be choosing two winners tomorrow. And thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for the support. Look what we've done. It's been five years and never signed with a podcast network. And just because of word of mouth, the show has grown to 30 million downloads. And uh, I'm just so grateful and I love doing it. So thank you for being here. Today's episode is really a treat. My friend Britt Morin is back. She is the founder and CEO of Britain Co. And she's also an investor, an author, and a podcast host. She came on the show a couple of years ago to talk about how she built her amazing company, Britain Co., which is a media company that inspires, educates, and entertains real women with a creative spirit with online classes, content, products, and it's become one of the largest digital media companies for women with a community of over 175 million online across platforms. But Britt is also the co-founder of BFF, which is helping women understand NFTs and crypto. And she has a program called Self Made that I told her to start. And I'm so happy that it's become so successful and I'm not surprised. We're going to talk about that today too. And if you haven't listened to her podcast yet, you have to check it out. It's called Teach Me Something New. And she's had some awesome guests on like Maya Bialik, Zoe Deschanel, Mila Kunis, Rachel Ray, and so many other experts, CEOs, scientists, and more. Britt is really a wizard when it comes to the process of honing in on an idea, testing for feedback, and building your brand. So you're going to learn a lot from this one. I highly recommend that you take notes if you can. Without further ado, please welcome the brilliant Britt Morin. Hi, Britt. Hi. <laughs> so Britt is so brilliant. And she and I are on a similar mission to help people take their passions and their creativity and turn them into beautiful empires. And Britt is really, truly such a creative and such a powerhouse. So um, why don't we talk a little bit about your creativity and how that turned into all of the things that you do in your adult work. And then I want to go through some of the the things that you teach. And I have a few questions to ask you just because we teach things. Some of it's the same, some of it's different. And I want to pick your brain about it because it's, you're so brilliant, but I I feel like giving people background on your story just a little bit is going to be so helpful for context. Sure. So yeah, my name's Britt. I am originally from Texas. I grew up probably like many of you with two working parents, meaning I got left alone a lot. (laughs) My mom also has had debilitating depression for uh, ever since I can remember. My childhood reminds, uh, the memories are my mom in her dark bedroom, my dad at work and me figuring out how to fend for myself around the house. So I naturally had to DIY, do it myself because no one else was. And I learned how to make my own food. I played with the sewing machine till I learned how to sew. There wasn't a Google or YouTube around, nothing to teach me. I was sort of trial and error, everything. We didn't have much money, but I would like go to the fabric store, Joann's or Hobby Lobby, shout out, and um, find like the dollar fabric scraps in the bin at the front and just like figure out how to sew it into a bedspread because I really wanted to personalize my room. I also wanted to be an inventor at the time. I had a million inventions, um, some of which have have become real products. Um, And so I would just like tinker. I was always just tinkering and I only had this stuff around my house to tinker with. At the same time, I was like a Girl Scout. And so I was a cookie seller and I was cookie seller of the year. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun to like market and sell to people. So I was clearly like a natural entrepreneur. I didn't know what that word was though. Fast forward into middle school, high school, I fell in love with technology and computers. My dad rebuilt computers a lot. So I always had one in my room. I learned to code. I learned about this place called Silicon Valley, which in the nineties, like no one really knew what that was yet. And I decided I was going to get out there as soon as possible. A lot of the creativity fell by the wayside However, at the same time, I was like fascinated by media. I was always, I would set my alarm at 7 a.m. as a teenager. I don't know why. 
um, to watch the Today Show. I was obsessed with Katie Couric, Barbara Walters, Oprah, obviously, because who isn't? Um, and just like entertainers and media and always women. It was like all women all the time, just like strong, amazing women. But I was like, I'm going to go take on Silicon Valley. So I fast-tracked through college. I tested out of two years of school um, and landed in Silicon Valley at age 20 working for Apple, which at the time was not a cool company. We were still finding it hard to sell iPods. Um, There was no iPhone. None of that was happening. And I got the experience of a lifetime. I got to meet Steve Jobs. I watched the launch of the iPhone happen. We like built market share. We launched iTunes, where it's just music. And then we added the app store and all this. And so that was super fun. Then I moved to Google and got to be shepherded by a woman named Marissa Meyer, who was like a 35-year-old executive at Google. And it was so inspiring to me, who was like 25. Worked on a few things at Google. And then we acquired YouTube. And at YouTube, it was like the dawn of social media. Honestly, YouTube like was kind of around the same time as Facebook, but it was the first time I watched like people on video showing you how to do stuff. And look at what us now on Zoom, by the way, <laughs> mm-hmm. we've come a long way. And I, I, I was looking at the data one day because I'm nerdy like that. I was looking at Google search terms and YouTube search terms and almost like all of the top 100 terms other than the pornography terms were <laughs> um, how to blank. And you could actually see women were the like primary searchers of the how-to content. And I was like, you know what? Martha Stewart is amazing, (laughs) but she's kind of a different generation. Uh, She's not teaching women how to like code and how to decorate their homes. Like who's doing that? Who's doing that for the 20 somethings and 30 somethings out there who grew up with technology and working moms and didn't learn how to do anything domestic, but we did how to learn, learn how to play with computers. And so I decided to spin out at age 25 and start my first company called Britain Co. And that was 10 years ago. And uh, Britain Co., the vision was to be the how-to resource for women rooted in creativity. Because the number one thing I heard all women tell me all the time was, oh, I love what you did, but I'm not creative. I could never do that. And fast forward 10 years, what I've learned about women is that not only do they not think they're creative and not only do they think they don't know how to do anything, they're just flat out scared and insecure of a lot of things in their world. And they let their fear withhold them from really living life as purposeful and as meaningful as it can be. And having had a mom who thought that my whole life and told me she was never smart enough, pretty enough, ambitious enough, all the things... I knew in my bones, it was my personal life's purpose to go change that. And so, um, yes, in the last year, and thanks largely to Kathy, I started a new brand called Self-Made, which helps women start and grow business. I also, during a pandemic, somehow raised a $100 million venture fund because for all of the entrepreneurs in the world who are women, who want to raise a venture scale business, who want to start a venture scale business, Only 2.3% of funding currently goes to you, and only 12% of investors, venture capitalists, are women, so you can probably see where the problem lies. Um, And I was like, I guess I'm going to go be one of those people, and I guess I'm going to have to be the one to go invest in more women and teach them how to start businesses and teach them how to be not afraid. And thank you, mom, for doing this to me, (laughs) setting me off on my journey in life. So that's my quick but not quick story. It's just so powerful and amazing and just incredible. I mean, the things that you have been doing, how you do them, your humility around them, you're such a visionary. And I just feel like you were given this like rainbow bright spirit, just totally unstoppable and, and so important for women to have you around just doing what you do. Um, and of course we've talked about this, but I relate so much to the childhood story, which is just fascinating that we have that in common. And then we wanted to be doing this, which clearly there's a recipe there. And then the hundred million dollars over zoom in a pandemic raising from like all 80 year old white men. Yeah. It was super fun. 
Yeah, it's, it's beyond. So let's start to get into this. So yeah, Brit has a program. I basically forced her to start a program. And, and by the way, I want you to see that too, because a, she always gives me credit, which is so sweet. I, I hear about you saying that to your students, which is, I guess this is the point I want to just quickly make is when you really step into leadership, you have abundance mentality. I think that that's so unusual, Britt. I sometimes think that people can like, you know, start a company or graduate from Harvard Law School. But what you and I do just all the time with our fellow female friends, I don't think that everybody sees that or knows that that goes on. So I love that we can be like that. So confused why you kept telling me to do this thing when you were doing the same thing, but I knew you were like, but you'll do it your way and it's fine. And I was like, is she like baiting me into being like her like catty sister? Like, are we going to have this big? And then I was like, it seems like she's really authentic about this though. <laughs> and even to this day, I think I'm like, I'm like, Kathy Heller told me this and I like did this thing and I'm just, this is where it's coming from. And I, and I just want you to know, like, it's, it's so beautiful. I agree with you. Like women are positioned in the world to be catty towards each other. I was just talking to another female VC who raised a fund with a woman together and in their diligence that, you know, all these like big investors who fund the venture capitalists who fund the startups, they like literally call your first grade teacher and are like, tell me about Brit when she was six. And so the questions that they asked about these women were like, so what happens when they like get in a fight? Are they really like catty towards each other. Like some of the people ask this about just like what no one would ask this about two men starting a venture fund. It's just ridiculous. Anyways, there's like zero, like there's just full love, full abundance. And that was such a beautiful thing that you did. And that I think hopefully I'm, I feel like now I'm trying to pay that forward by inspiring all these other women to to live inside of you I were doing that well before you met me well yeah. before you met me but like it forward okay I'm but good. here's the thing and I want everyone actually to hear this we both do a program that helps people figure out their passion and turn it into something and the reason I I wanted you so much to do it is because it's your it's your mission number one and I'm your friend and number two because you absolutely are doing your program and my program's mine and I want people to get that like there are no two things that can be the same, right? And so it's so cool. And I've seen people who've done my program then go into yours and they're like, that, I, w- I got this out of this and this from this. And I'm like, great, do it, do it what you need to do. So let's talk a little bit about in your program, let's jump to sort of like what you do in week two, which is defining your idea. So give us your take on how you help people find the idea. Yeah, you know, and to be honest, even though it's week two for us, it's honestly like the whole <laughs> timeline for some people. We just had pitch day yesterday and one of the women who won second place switched her idea in week five. We do a 10 week program and it's amazing. Like I think first of all, there are lots of ideas that can be a great idea. I do think each of us has a purpose in this world and it's not a surprise. I think sometimes we're looking far outside of ourselves for like what society thinks is our purpose or what will pay us the most. Now as a VC, by the way, I see these like terrible, these companies that'll probably be billion dollar companies, but seem so boring. And I'm like, why would you ever want to run this company? Like I sometimes, (laughs) I'm like, why? I get that you want to be rich, but like, no. Um, So I think about the breadcrumbs that were dropped along our path of life and that have been pointing us to our North star all along. And not unlike the story I just told you, look at mine, right? Like who did I want to be when I was a little girl? I wanted to be Katie Kirk, Barbara Walters, Oprah, like powerful women on a stage with a voice. I like interviewing people. I didn't let myself admit that I like to be on camera until like two years ago. If you know me and my work, I've done like hundreds of, of segments on Good Morning America, the Today Show, all of that stuff today now as an adult. And so it's, I've interviewed Oprah. It's crazy. Anyway, that was who I wanted to be. What was holding me back in life? What's the obstacle I had overcome? My mom. 
my mom's depression, to be honest, like little girls look up to their mothers and my mom wasn't there. And my mom, when she was there was one of the most negative depressed people I knew and never believed in herself. And so I pushed hard the other way. And I knew I would always believe in myself and I would make sure every other woman I ever met my whole life believed in herself. So I've always had a passion for women. I've always wanted to be a powerful woman. What were the things I was good at growing up, right? I was always into creative stuff, making stuff, inventing things, tech stuff, like coding, like inventing digital things, inventing physical things. It didn't matter. I liked invention. I liked novelty, creativity, innovation. It's no surprise then, like I ended up in this weird hybrid of Silicon Valley meets entertainment media, right? And then what did other people say I was good at is the other question I like to ask myself. Like, what did they say you were good at when you were little? Um, And that could be like as macro as like gathering people. Like I was always the hostess of the parties, right? Um, Of the events. My friend's parents would call me to plan their birthday parties for their kids. It was so weird because they knew I'd have like a creative spin on it. And I knew like how to bring people together. And so like, what were those things? And like, how does that all now come together? And I think that's the framework. And if you can be anywhere in that frame, right? I'm in the venture capital world now on top of this Britain Cohen self-made world. I don't know why I have three jobs, but why am I in venture capital? Because I want every woman out there to know that she deserves funding for her business, whether it's a small business or a venture scale business. And that like, just because they're 60 year old white men around with a lot of money in their pockets, doesn't mean there aren't women out there who can give it to you. And I know that I have to be that person to help change that ratio so that my kids' generation, it's not 12%. It's not 2% that are getting funding. It's not 12% that are giving the funding. It's more like 50-50. And so that's, that's in my box, right? That's in my Brit box of what I should be doing in life. And that is what I use to hold myself accountable for any idea I have. Obviously, the other side of an idea, a great idea is like, is it defensible? You know, um, how are you going to do it different than others? You want to, you know, like Kathy said, you can get the logistics of the business model correct and try all these things and talk to your users and all of that stuff. But the foundation is the most important thing you can build. Yeah. And it is just so cool because so many of those things are things that I share, but I do love your spin on it. I think that the biggest problem, as I always say, and you deal with this now, you see it all around you. Um, and you saw it since you were three years old with your mom, it's courage, right? It's the courage to try it. It's the courage to iterate it. It's the courage to make the first beta version of it, which is probably going to be much more mediocre than anything that comes after it. How do you help women through that so that they have the courage to start? Yeah. I think so much of it that I've seen, I've only done this for a year now with self-made, like people are so afraid of sharing their ideas and at the end of the day, like that's the, the only way to get feedback as to whether it's a good idea. And so like, how can we actually be rapidly sharing ideas? Why don't you come up with a hundred ideas? And uh, why don't you share those hundred ideas on Twitter, on Instagram? Like have people vote, do a poll, like yes or no, like all day long, just get data, like data, data, data. I'm sure that out of a hundred ideas, there's probably like three to five that most people will actually care about. And then you can narrow down from the three to five, like, okay, maybe I'll do further testing or maybe I'll, you know, actually put up three landing pages and see like what people start buying. And, and so, you know, in this new world of uh, digital businesses and Silicon Valley, it's just like the lean startup being agile is another way to talk about it. The MVP, the minimum viable product, just like test and learn, test and learn. And, and that's all it is. Yeah. And I think it's the test and learn thing that we have to really start to really hear as a process and as an expectation testing and learning rather than it's a winner, it's a lose. It's you, you did it or you failed because that's not possible, right? There needs to be data and there needs to be this constant going back and rinsing and repeating. I think it would be fun to hear about some of the people. I know that you, they do it a little differently in Brit's program where they have this like big pitch day and there's some winners and there's some first place and second place and on and on. I think it'd be cool to hear some of the people who stood out to you, who for whatever reason won, even though everyone wins by being available for this 
process. It's a big deal. Most people are sitting it out most of their life, sadly. So everybody wins. But for the people who, for whatever reason, stood out, what were some of those cool businesses that people created? I think it might like jar some possibilities loose. Oh, I love talking about our students and alumni. Um, Okay, so we just did pitch day yesterday. So I could tell you even about the top three. So actually the first place winner has a company called Autumn. And uh, she has a history of being incredibly overweight, had gastric bypass surgery, lost like 200 pounds, and is now dealing with what many people deal with who have lost a lot of weight, which is a lot of saggy skin in different places of their body. It's not like you're not overweight. You just have like excess skin. And unless you have surgery, you know, it's hard to remove that. And so my mom, once again, back to my mom, um, also had gastric bypass surgery, also lost 200 pounds. And I know this problem so intimately. She never wants like clothes are terrible undergarments, like nothing actually holds it in. And so this new company autumn is creating shapewear and a whole fashion line designed around anyone with excess skin. And unlike Spanx and other things, like actually is designed to contort your body in ways that give you like the right silhouette and sort of hide some of the sagginess. Anyways, it was so beautiful. And again, such a personal story she had that went into it and her designs are amazing. And there's like a whole thing, but so that was one of them. Another one, speaking of what makes for a good idea, (laughs) this is the woman who switched her idea in week five she realized one of the hardest parts about finding the right idea is validating that idea. And like, yes, you could go do all this user research and all this stuff, but that's kind of takes a lot of time. And what if you're like starting an adoption company and you need to find like 50 parents who have adopted and you don't know 50 parents who have adopted. So she's starting a company that's a hybrid of software and human support for validating and testing business ideas. That is so cool. She's going to go test your ideas for you and build up this database of all these different segments of people to test your idea against. Maybe you want to test your new shapewear idea for people who've lost weight with people that have lost a lot of weight. Like how do you go find them? So I'm obsessed with genius. And then this other one was so cute. It's called Thinking Caps. This mom of two kids was buying like random stuff from Target and clothes and stuff for her kids. And You know, the kids always get asked, like when there's a cute phrase or something on their shirt or their hat, like, oh, what's that about? Where'd you get that from? And she realized like her kids don't ever highly have a good story. It's just like, oh, it's Spider-Man, you know? So what if you could actually create a clothing line that teaches your kids stories, culture, et cetera, along with what they're wearing? So for instance, they made this shirt all out of, from recycled plastic. And it said like, I don't know, protect the waters or something. And like every month you get a new piece of clothing or or accessory or something that has like a story behind like sustainability and climate. And it's like, so one of them is like about kindness and like why that matters in the world. And it's just like, I think parents would much rather buy their kids that kind of stuff than buy them a Spider-Man shirt. And so- So good, Brett. clothing. Those are all such- Good examples. They're all so different. There's such diversity in there. So question is in your program and just also being someone who's so good with venture capital and helping people begin to scale, what do you teach them as far as, okay, so you have those ideas. How do you get your first customer, your second customer, your third customer? What's the road to that monetizing of those, those ideas? Well, I like to think about customers in two ways, the people you know and the people you don't know. (laughs) And I think we should always start, of course, with the people we know because that's easier. However, I think that sometimes those people will give you kinder advice or kinder feedback than you might want from a real customer. So, but you can like tread the waters with that to start. So it's like, how do you find your first customer is you start telling your story, you start telling it, everywhere you go, you start emailing it to people, you start putting it on your Facebook page, you put it on your Instagram, like you've got to have a voice here. You could also start reaching out to groups that might have that same story. You go into their DMs, you go into their Instagram comments, you just 
you find your people, when you know who your target customer is, and a lot of these businesses, largely it's you, like people who are like you go where they are. What are the things that they like to do every day? What are the magazines they read? What are the Instagram channels they follow? Who are the influencers they follow? What are the shows they watch? Like, how can you position yourself in those networks, first of all, to be part of those conversations, to not just like violently promote your business, but actually to participate in the communities of those, of those groups, right? How are you actually like earning a community badge first as being part of this group of of people who've lost a lot of weight, you know, Um, maybe there's groups on Facebook, like maybe there's people on Instagram, influencers actually like try, first of all, to get to know these people. And then when you feel like the time is right, maybe start, start seeding them an offer or start seeding them like, oh, that's interesting that you just lost you know, 200 pounds. I went through that same journey. Isn't it hard? You talk about that a little bit. Yeah. You know what? I think it's time to do something about this. I've found for me that there's not really a great shapewear company for people with loose skin. And I've just created this new bra and, you know, legwear. And would you like to sample it? Would you like to try it? Would you ever be interested in giving me feedback and just get them solely interested in what you're doing? It takes work. It's like a zillion, you know, it takes a lot of effort and DMS and you can do that strategy, which I think of as like the long tail strategy, as well as the, we call it the head, right? Like, of course you need to like have an Instagram channel and all of those things too. And you can start building your following, but there's kind of a balance of doing both. And it doesn't matter if you have a thousand, you could like, I think Kathy says this all the time, you start with one. <laughs> and you know what, what's interesting about one. And I say, you know, if you've been following the coronavirus trend, which I think we all have the RT, right? The RT is so important because it shows you how viral something is, right? It could be a virus that's viral or like the way Facebook started was that for every one person that joined Facebook, if they could get them to invite two friends and the actual number is 1.3, it's called the K factor. If they could get every person that joined Facebook to invite 1.3 people, so two they knew they were going to explode. So they needed to make sure that that one person had such a good experience on Facebook that they wanted more friends there, that they would bring people with them. It's why you see like when Dropbox launched or PayPal or Venmo, you know, every time you refer to people, you get a free month or, you know, it's, this is the viral coefficient as the term goes. It's the same thing as the COVID RT rate of virality. If it's over one, you're kind of screwed, right? Like it's spreading a lot in your community. And so if you have one person that is obsessed with what you do, can they tell one to two people about it? And that's how networks grow, right? And so really the focus is just on that one and making that one customer as happy as possible. I see a lot of people with like interior design businesses or like like service-based businesses. And they're like, I can never have like a thousand people in my community. This doesn't take a thousand. You have 10 awesome clients. I see a lot of people in enterprise businesses that get paid a million bucks a month from having like 10 clients that pay them hundred K a month. As long as those clients are happy, you've got an incredible business. So yeah, think about COVID every time you think about growing your company is the summary of what I'm saying today, everyone. Oh my God. It's so, it's so brilliant. It's so big what you're saying. It's this, if it's over one, it's (laughs) as far as COVID goes, like just to bring it down, like then we know we're screwed. And then you think, can you get the people who you're serving to think about one to two people? And that's how my podcast grew, right? Like we've still have yet to sign with a network. We're just doing it on our own. And we, we managed to get to 24 million downloads in four years, just one person at a time telling her friend, I'm obsessed with this podcast. You have to listen to it. And thank you to all those listeners because they just, it just grew on its own. And I think that that's so important because boy, do we forget, we forget to really fully serve the person in front of us all the way. And, you know, even like you and me, Britt, like we became friends and that's why I wanted to, whatever you would, whatever would have come out of your mouth when we were hanging out on zoom, I would have supported you all in because 
for whatever reason, I just am not looking this way. I'm just like, who's in front of me and how can I serve and what can I do? And it feels so good and it's so juicy and it's so great. And when you live your life like that, the returns you get from that are just, it's, it's the 5D. It's a quantum return. This conversation is so good. Before we keep going, I just want to thank our sponsor. There are all these gimmicks that promise a great night's sleep, but I don't care what kind of toppers there are or how heavy a blanket is. It's all lipstick on a pig. If you're sleeping on a terrible mattress, your sleep will be terrible. It's as simple as that. So that's why I recommend sleeping on a purple mattress. Only purple mattresses have the gel flex grid. It's a super stretchy, ultra squishy material that adapts and flexes around pressure points and doesn't retain heat. I find this technology so fascinating. It makes the mattress so comfortable. I feel like I'm sleeping on a cloud that also supports my back and my neck and I never wake up feeling sore. Plus purple mattresses bounce back. So I never have to worry about sinking and getting stuck in the mattress, which can happen with memory foam. So having my purple mattress has really helped me get a full night's rest which means I can show up in the day with a lot more energy. So it's really important that we all get quality sleep. Try your Purple Mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns. Financing is available also. Getting a great night's sleep starts with having a great mattress. Get a Purple Mattress. Go to purple.com slash dreamjob10 and use code dreamjob10. For a limited time, you can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash dreamjob10, code dreamjob10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code dreamjob10, terms apply. Let's talk about when you teach people design thinking, because that's so Brit, like if you just knew if she could be alone in a creative factory, just creating ideas all day long, I feel like you would just have the time of your life. What does it mean? How do you teach people how to design something in a day where they can articulate like, this is the problem I solve. This is the, you know, this is what I'm doing. How do you help people? What is design thinking? Well, we'd sort of break those things apart because design thinking is prototyping really at the end of the day. It's testing an idea, testing a product. My venture fund is incubating a new product right now, like a physical thing that is like a five senses sauna. So <laughs> this is, so saunas are awesome. Okay. Saunas, most people don't have in their house, but if you know about saunas, Everyone in like Norway has them in their house because A, they help you burn like 400 calories in 30 minutes. B, like sweating is really good for your skin. It detoxes all the bad stuff out of your body. C, there's like a meditation element of just sitting for 30 to 45 minutes and not have like having a screen in front of you because you're sweaty. So you can't. So there's already a bunch of benefits with saunas. Okay. There's also this new thing happening in the world where like people are at home more, right? People can't go to spas. There's also a thing happening in the world where people are buying fitness equipment like Peloton bikes and stuff that costs like two to $3,000 and putting it somewhere in their house. So people are willing to spend this much money for fitness. What about wellness? And so we decided to think about rethink the sauna and we we're like, how would we make a sauna better? And so he said, well, you know, there's a lot of new science around light therapy, what if we had like really cool lights that like would evolve and change to your mood? What about scent? Like, you know, based on if you're going to bed or you're just waking up and need to be energized, maybe the smell of the sauna um, and aromatherapy could change. What about sound? Do you want to listen to a meditation? Do you want to listen to music? Do you want to listen to waterfalls? Um, how can you use sound? How can you also just make the sauna look cool and not like a really weird wood box in your house? And so we are on this mission. And right now we've, we're in the design thinking phase of this because what we've basically done is got like a bunch of plywood, literally like built out this sort of box thing embedded lights and things around it sent. And we're just kind of like tinkering by having a bunch of people come through. Like, how was your experience? You know, what would you rate? Like all of these things, how would you do this better? Is the seat comfortable? Like you're just literally every little detail you're getting feedback on feedback on. And so you can make it better. And so design thinking is listening to your customers as you are developing something in order to make it better for them. I think a lot of people just have this, like, this is what it should obviously look like. Um, and it's like, you're an audience of one instead of actually like prototyping this, getting feedback, making iterations, and just staying really agile along the way. 
when you're thinking about your elevator pitch, we say in self-made like problem solution, why me? It's three sentences. It's three statements. It's less than 30 seconds. This is the quickest, easiest way to tell somebody what you do. And so, you know, in this in scenario of the sauna, I would say like mental health has become one of the biggest burdens of healthcare in the last, you know, few decades. And the pandemic has not helped. We are all stuck at home and we have no way to help our bodies and minds feel better at once. Well, did you know that sauna technology is actually proven to be both a recovery trend, a mental health therapeutic, as well as, you know, something that people just enjoy doing. However, the sauna hasn't been reinvented in X number of decades. So enter ancient ritual. We have created this multi-sensory sauna experience that is going to be wellness inside of your house. And why me? Why should I do this? Well, first of all, I have a huge history of building hardware products and infusing them with technology. But more importantly, I suffered from this myself and learned that having a heat session with multi-sensory experiences once a day has reduced my depression from this to this, you know? And so anyways, so that was even too long. I could shorten it, but you get what I'm saying. It's just like problem solution. Why me? And hopefully by the end of that, you have enough people's attention to be like, yeah, I'm going to either give you money or buy one or something. I'm sold. (laughs) So I love it. Thank you in the chat. It's so helpful. And I love just you giving that example and you can like see this like plywood box and people coming in and out. And how did you feel the seat? Was it comfortable enough? And I, I, I think that you said when you were a little girl, you wanted to be an inventor. And I think that again, we carry so much shame that the process of inventing, the rolling up your sleeves and getting messy, it doesn't even seem available to us. It feels as though we need to have answers. We need to have plans. We need to know. We need certainty. And what that actually robs us of is inventing anything or building any business because it's going to require that we get to have that fun part where we're exploring. And you think about like the world and how it is and how quickly we are to even label other people or not have real conversations. Because again, we forget this whole piece of like, what's here, beginner's mind, put on those little cool goggles and like watch how things move in a, in a, in a Petri dish when you move them this way. And how do they respond if you do it this way? And so, gosh, we could help so many things in this world from environmental issues to social issues. And of course, our own businesses, if you just thought about Brit being like, let's just get a bunch of plywood pieces and like talk to people. That is just such a different paradigm, right? So I love that example. Um, And I love hearing you again, excited for the ride, right? Starting from scratch, you who's done so many things like all over again, like, but this is the fun part. Like we get to make something new and this is what, what happens. Let's talk now a little bit about branding, because as you were talking about the, the winners of the first, second place, third place winners, like they all had these like names, right. And sort of points to the idea that there's probably a little branding going on. So how do you talk and teach people how to even begin to think about branding? Oh my gosh. Branding is my favorite. Um, I was in product marketing before even starting, you know, Britain Co. I just, I've always loved, I was an advertising major for the brief period I went to college. Um, it's <laughs> like love brands. I love creative. Um, however, so many people put so much emphasis on their brand way too early. Um, and what I mean by that is like, is it the perfect name? Is it the perfect logo? Is my like, are my colors good? Like you will hold yourself back from launching your website for so many more months because you are like claiming this perfectionist mentality that sometimes you might never even launch it. So pick a Squarespace template or a Shopify template and just go, um, (laughs) go on Canva, make a logo, just put it in like literally a font that looks nice and go. (laughs) So that's like a scrappy brand to start is awesome. There's the legal part of branding, which is like, how do you choose a name that's defensible? Um, How do you not make it too long? Um, It should be typically a great brand is like one to three syllables, 
you can say it to like your Uber driver and they understand how it's spelled <laughs> or like what you just said and all of those good things. But, you know, I think that the best brands are also like very generic, not generic, like barn, but generic, like, let's see, what's a good example. Ipsy. I have no idea what Ipsy means. Do you guys know the makeup brand Ipsy? They do like a makeup subscription. That could be a fast food restaurant. That could be, you know, a company that makes computers. Apple is another one. Uh, just like, it could be anything. Whereas Birchbox is actually limiting, right? Because Birchbox insinuates that there's a box of something that's going to come to you or you're going to buy a box. And so when Birchbox, the beauty brand, tried to like pivot outside of subscription boxes into like a cosmetic line, it was sort of awkward. Um, Beautycon is another one, just sticking with the beauty trend. Beautycon, beauty conference is a brand that held events for beauty influencers. When Beautycon tried to launch a cosmetics line, it also got weird. So, you know, there's parts of the brand like that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, a brand that is maybe somewhat descriptive of what you do, but also generic enough to expand is really important because most of the time, your idea that you have today is going to be completely different 10 years from now. And that's because you're going to be doing design thinking and prototyping and listening to your customers all along the way. The business, the industry that you're in might totally morph and change as well. You might have your like brilliant idea of like how to 10X this three years from now, but it means you need to like now go be a tech company instead of a beauty company. And so don't get so hung up on it, first of all. Pick something that can evolve with you. You know, I like when people pick something meaningful too. Uh, there was a brand yesterday and self-made's pitch day called Bubby Ken's Books because she calls her son Bubby. And I was like, Bubby Ken is so cute. Like that's such a cute name. It's so distinct and differentiated. It could be a lot of things in the childcare world, you know, child uh, development world. So anyways, Brandy. And then from there, once you have your brand, then you think about like, what is my brand when it comes to life, right? Okay, Bubby Ken's books. And let's just call it Bubby Ken's because I think that's better than books. Like I said, Birch Box, scrap the box. Bubby Ken's, it's playful. Like you wouldn't, you probably would think of Bubby Ken's as like a friendly, colorful website, maybe some paint splashes around it. You know, if you were a car, what would you be? If you were, a, I love, I love doing this sort of exercise where it's like, if you were a magazine, what would you be? Well, I would be like highlights magazine, like made for kids, but a little educational. If you were a car, would you be, I would probably be like a a VW, a bug, <laughs> if I were Bubby Kins, probably not like a Tesla or a Porsche. So you're creating this brand personality by thinking about like, who would you be in all these categories? What are kind of the colors that this, evo this word evokes, this name evokes? Now, how does that infiltrate through how you talk to your customers, how you show up on social media with all your content? Are you more educational or more silly? Are you on Instagram cracking jokes and making viral videos? Or are you giving tips and tricks and like getting people to follow you because of like all of your knowledge and prestige? So you get the point here, but it's so fun, I think, because brands do evolve over time. I mean, even look at like Apple, right? Apple's logo, remember the rainbow logo back in the day? And now they're like smooth and sleek and white and black. And like, it's fun and it evolves as your business evolves but you have to start somewhere and you have to not overthink it at the beginning. And the number one thing I see a lot of women do in particular is try to be the perfectionist and that holds you back. So, yeah, so good. One of the biggest hurdles I see for women and men too, but a lot for women is the moment where you, where you're going to sell and receive back money. So in these programs, when people are starting to make offers and sell, how do you help them to go ahead and do that? Well, I would say it sometimes depends on the business, but typically I want to make sure they have obviously a place to direct people because if you're out there selling, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in, what do I do? And you freeze. That's not good. So a basic landing page, even just like a Venmo. Here's my Venmo. If you want this service, like Venmo me, just like have a, a way to do that. Obviously when you're selling to people, you know, you are offering them something that is going to help them or change their life in some way. Right. And I think first and foremost, 
you need to feel confident in what that is. I think a lot of times, again, I'm stereotyping, but I see it because I coach a lot of women. It's sort of like, well, I mean, you could, if you would really, if you would ever want to try, then maybe like you could, I have a thing that you might want and here, I have a website, but just, I'll give it to you when you're ready for it. You know, no, just like, Hey, I'm Brit and I have created the world's most innovative sauna. I swear it'll change your mental health. It'll increase your energy. It'll diminish your depression. And if you use this every day for seven days and you're unhappy with it, I promise you can get a refund. But if you'll try it, this is the website. Here's a 10% off code because I think you're really going to enjoy this. And I would really love to hear how you would, you like it once you get it. Just like be confident, look in their eyeballs. Hopefully you're looking at them. If you can text it to them or type it to them, but like being human is important and have confidence. Tell them why it's so impactful. Give them, maybe if you really want to incentivize them, give them a little percent off. Depends if you want to be a discount business. It's a whole different topic about pricing. Give them, you know, a, a guarantee, a money back guarantee. Like what are the things that can really push them over the edge? You don't have to do all these things, by the way. You can just be like, this is my offer, but take it or leave it. But I think beyond the sale is what happens right after, right? Because again, you could spend the rest of your business career going out and recruiting new customers or you could keep that customer that took you so long to sell really happy and coming back because maybe once they have a sauna and you have this whole other product line of aromatherapy scents and a monthly subscription package of like things you can add to your sauna, <laughs> you want that customer who bought your sauna to stay a subscription member, right? You want them to come back every month because they're so happy. You want them to tell two friends, you, you know, so that one customer, the effort you put in to that person is going to pay it forward so many different ways and keeping them happy and making sure they have a quality experience is really important. I love bringing it back to that piece that it's so worth putting in the effort because that one customer is going to lead you in so many ways to something so much bigger than that one conversation. I think that the, the tricky piece is that if we all had a scene with our own fairy godmother and she was going to wave a magic wand and instead of the horse and carriage and the dress and the glass slippers. I think what everyone actually really wants and needs is that confidence and being confident. That's the doorway to the, the portal, right? That's it. And I'm curious how you approach that. You know, for me, we're working on a show and my producer said, you know, normally we shoot this long of a pilot. We're shooting a shorter one because you in the room, that's what's going to sell it. I want them to see less tape and hear you talk about this show. So I, I thought to myself, why did she say that? And what I came back to is, I don't know if I can own the word confident. I can own the word enthusiasm. Hmm. Since I was, I don't know how old, if I'm doing something, I'm so enthusiastic about it that it just spills out. And what is your take on that? So that would be my take. If somebody can't genuinely find that confidence and yet that is required, what's a way in there? How do we get there? How do you get there? How do you help other women get there? Well, I think it goes back to the box I was talking about before. If you aren't genuinely the most excited person about your product or service, it's going to show, you know, if you are this person, this founder that pitched me, their like FinTech idea. That sounds so boring that I know that like, I know they love golf, but they're doing like a FinTech startup because they think they're going to make a billion dollars. Like they're not selling it to me. Like part of the reason why I'm not investing is because I'm not sold that this person is going to like get up every day and keep fighting to make this dream a reality because they're so passionate about it. So like step one is believe in your passion, like believe that this passion that you have aligns with your business and that you're going to figure it out. Step two is the product or service you're selling, you have to believe in as well. And it could be 
like the sauna prototype is plywood, but I'm not thinking about the plywood prototype. I'm thinking about the dream. I'm thinking about how this is, this is going to transform like wellness technology. We're going to, we're entering, we're creating a whole new category here. And I think so many people fail to dream because they think about what, why me? Like, why would I deserve? I, I can't do, I'm not smart enough. This isn't for me. Someone else will do it. You know, you just limit, it's all these limiting beliefs that you hold yourself back. When at the end of the day, if you can drop that and stop feeling like an imposter, you're not an imposter for believing that, you know, I told this Bubbykins company yesterday, I'm just bringing it back to Bubbykins or thinking caps. Like why stop thinking caps? I'll talk about why stop at t-shirts and hats. Like Melissa and Doug is a 500 billion dollar a year toy brand. Why don't you build the future toy brand of the world incorporating clothing? Like, and once you think that big and believe it, even if it's 20 years away, you will believe in the transformation you can create in the world and you will exude that into others and your energy and your passion will actually exponentially grow for this thing that you're doing. But I think so often we're just like in the trenches, looking down at our feet, trying to put one step in front of the other. So if you need to grab a friend, grab Kathy, grab me, grab a mirror and practice this pitch, practice telling yourself like, I deserve this. I am going to build this. I am this. Like, however much you need to convince yourself, do that all day long because you're not going to convince a customer until you convince yourself. It's so beautiful. And this last thing that you just said, it's really about that vision that Walt Disney World, what can we dream up? How big can you stir the dream pot? how much possibility can you see, right? And then when you can see the moon, there's so much then between here and there, right? And, and maybe that's what you and I, Britt, maybe that's, that's one thing that you and I have in common that we also have in common with a bunch of our mutual friends is I do feel that growing up in my house, my mom was in that bed and I was a latchkey kid, even though I had a stay-at-home mom, I was still getting the dollar 10 for school lunches because she wasn't getting out of bed. And my imagination was the best and it was everything. And I could make worlds come to life. It seems to me that that's such a big part of what you and I both gift to our students is playing in that sandbox again, coming home to that imagination. Yeah. Dreaming Dreaming and believing. Yeah. The two have to go together. Yeah. So say one more thing about that before we go, because it's too juicy. So how do we do that then? How do you believe in what you're dreaming? You practice saying it to yourself over and over again. If you need somebody to say it to you, you ask them to say it to you. You look inside yourself and ask yourself what would happen in the worst case scenario here. It's probably not that bad. You'll always have those negative voices That's part of life. I still have them. Kathy has them. We all have them. And we learn to quiet them. And we learn to expand the voice that's telling us we can. Maybe we can. What if we can? And you start to latch on to this voice of what if we can until it's almost like a balloon. You like start floating into the sky with it. And some people might think you're crazy, (laughs) but some people will believe in you and also believe you can. And that's where the juicy stuff happens. And that's where you build a big business. That's where you get funding. That's where you love every day of your life because you're floating. And that's super fun. Well, it's no surprise that you are absolute magic in everything that you touch and do because your energy, I think it's, it really comes back to our energy, right? Really, that's the thing. Like the more we harness and develop this energy that is, humble and sweet and open and, uh, you know, has vision. It's just powerful. It's so powerful. Um, and Britt, you, you have that, it's an instant knowing when people are around you, when I'm around you, it's just so fun to swim in that energy with you. And then isn't that the gift you guys, you can feel this, whether you're listening to this or watching this, 
immediately, right? You then get sort of to be in that resonance with that energy. And that's the gift that every person brings us. So that's really probably our most powerful asset. So Britt, tell everybody where they can find you and follow you and all the rest. I'm at Britt and you can find Britt and Cohen self-made's Instagrams from my profile on Instagram. Um, I'm at Britt on Twitter. I'm at Britt most places because I'm an early adopter and I somehow was able to get a four letter word, four letter username, <laughs> a bunch of Brits, other Brits in the world have tried to buy it from me and said, no, mm-hmm. You're, no, Mm-mm, that's too good. Um, Britt, thank you for being so sparkly and magical. Keep shining so that the world just gets to be better because you're here. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Like I said, this is one of my favorite things. Thank you, Kathy. I always love talking to Britt. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, each of us has a purpose in this world. It doesn't have to be a surprise. It's something already inside of us. Follow the breadcrumbs dropped on the path that point you toward your North Star. Number two, test and learn, test and learn. Number three, start with one. If you have one person obsessed with what you do, serve them all the way, make it so good they have to tell someone else. Number four, the easiest, quickest way to tell someone what you do is problem, solution, and why me. Number five, start with a scrappy brand. Most of the time, your idea today will be completely different 10 years from now. Pick something that can evolve with you. Number six, genuinely be the most excited person about your offer. Believe in your passion. Believe in the gift you're giving. Number seven, when you dream that big and believe it, you will believe in the transformation you can create in the world and you will exude that into others. Number eight, quiet the negative voices and expand the voice that says, we can. Now I want to share some wins from our alumni. Kate said, So incredible, eight episodes released and hit this milestone of a thousand downloads last night. My sincere thanks to Kathy et al. for creating this course and this space for us. I have met such amazing people in this group and have loved being a part of all your journeys too. I'm not sure there is much that feels better than seeing results from something you've dreamed up, created, built, and it's all yours. Plus, I get to share the stories of my guests, these inspiring business owners and entrepreneurs with the world. Hooray. Thank you for all the support. Oh my gosh, Kate, that's so good. I'm really proud of you. It's really an honor to see your voice being shared and received and loved. And I can't wait to see how this will continue to grow. Go give Kate some love. Her podcast is called People, Place, and Purpose. And the next win is from Jessica. She said, woke up to amazing news. Our podcast is in the top 5% of podcasts. Thank you to Kathy and her team. We applied all the things we learned in your course. We also made the most amazing connections with our other podcasters in your course. They are the most supportive group ever. We couldn't be here without you. Thank you. Thank you. What, Jessica? That's amazing. Congrats on being in the top 5% of podcasts. That is no small feat. It fills my heart to hear that the podcast course and the community gave you that support you needed, but you get all the credit for putting in the action and making the podcast come to life. Let's all give Jessica some love. Her podcast is called Should I Stay or Should I Grow? Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. I know that your time is the most precious thing in your life, and it means the world that you spend it here with me. I just recorded some interviews this week with some incredible authors I really admire and respect. So you're going to want to hear those episodes. I know it. I can't wait, actually, for you to hear some of these conversations. They brought tears to my eyes. So make sure that you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. And if you want to help spread this movement, the best way you can do that is leave a review and then post about the show. It doesn't cost you anything. Just subscribe, leave a review, and then post about the show and tag me. And if you do so, I'm going to put you into a giveaway. And tomorrow I'll be announcing two winners for Golden Goose sneakers. They're about $600 a pair. I'm buying them for you. It's not a sponsored thing. They say never stop dreaming on the bottom. And then I'll also be giving you some Apple AirPods. All you got to do is subscribe to the show, leave a review, and then do a post about the show and tag me. And if you felt like this podcast episode in particular would help one of your friends, then email them the link or when you do a post, tag them so that they see it. Because I do think that Brit is so brilliant. And I think that this particular episode is probably meant to help and bless so many other people. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song and I'll talk to you Monday. When you just can't sleep. When you're counting sheep I'll be here for you I'll be here for you When you need to talk Take a good long walk I'll be here for you I'll be here for you
forget 